Chapter 12 of The Little Colonel's Hero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Little Colonel's Hero by Annie Fellows Johnston. Chapter 12 Home Again. Meanwhile, in Lloydsbury Valley, the summer had slipped slowly by. Locusts seemed strangely quiet with the great front gates locked, and never any sound of wheels or voices coming down the avenue. Judge Moore's place was closed also, and Tanglewood, just across the way, had been opened only a few weeks in the spring. So birds and squirrels held undisputed possession of that part of the valley and the grass grew long and the vines climbed high and often the soft whisper of the leaves was the only sound to be heard but in the shady beech grove next the churchyard and across the avenue from mrs mcintyre's the noise of hammer and saw and trowel had gone on unceasingly until at last the new home was ready for its occupants the family did not have far to move to the beeches only over the stile from the quaint green-roofed cottage next door where they had spent the summer alison kitty and elise climbed back and forth over the stile their arms full of their particular treasures which they could not trust to the moving vans all the week that betty and lloyd were tossing out on the ocean they were flitting about the new house growing accustomed to its unfamiliar corners by the time the majestic steamed into the new york harbor they were as much at home in their new surroundings as if they had always lived there the tent was pitched on the lawn the large family of dolls was brought out under the trees and the games good times and campfire cooking went on as if they had never been interrupted for an instant by the topsy-turvy work of moving whose day is it for the pony cart asked mrs walton coming out on the steps one morning it was mine answered kitty speaking up from the hammock where she swung half in half out watching a colony of ants crawling along the ground underneath but i traded my turn to elise for her biggest paper boy doll and i traded my turn to allison if she would let me use all the purple and yellow paint i want in her paint-box while i'm making my princess pansy's ball dress said elise mrs walton smiled at the transfer of rights the little girls had an arrangement by which they took turns in using the cart certain days in the week when ranald did not want to ride his filipino pony whoever has it to-day may do an errand for me mrs walton said adding as she turned toward the house do you know that lloyd and betty are coming on the three o'clock train this afternoon then i don't want the pony cart exclaimed allison quickly i'm going down to the depot to meet them the depot was in sight of the beaches not more than three minutes walk distant can't go back on your trade sang out elise can't go back on your trade oh you take it elise coaxed allison it's my regular turn to-morrow 
I'll make some fudge in the morning, if you will. Elise considered a moment. Well, she said finally, I'll let you off from your trade if Kitty will let me off from mine. No, sir, answered Kitty. A trade's a trade. I want that paper boy doll. But it's your regular turn, coaxed Elise. And I'd much rather go down to the depot to meet the girls than go riding. So would I, said Kitty, spurring the procession of aunts to faster speed with her slipper toe. Then she sat up and considered the matter a moment. Oh, well, she said presently, I don't care after all. If it will oblige you any, I'll let you off and take the pony myself. Oh, thank you, sister, cried Elise. They'll only be at the depot a few minutes continued the wily kitty so i'll drive down to meet them in style in the cart and then i'll go up to locust with them beside the carriage and hear all about the trip first of anybody i wish i'd thought of that said elise a shade of disappointment in her big dark eyes i'll tell you proposed allison enthusiastically we'll all go down in the pony cart to meet them together. That would be the nicest way to do. Oh, was Kitty's cool reply. I had thought of going by for Katie or Corinne. Then, seeing the disappointment in the faces opposite, she added, But maybe I might change my mind. Have you got anything to trade for a chance to go? This transfer of possessions which they carried on was like a continuous game, of which they never tired, because of its endless variety. It was a source of great amusement to the older members of the family. "'It is a mystery to me,' said Miss Allison, "'how they manage to keep track of their property, and remember who is the owner. I have known a doll or a dish to change hands half a dozen times in the course of a forenoon.' Elise promptly offered the paperboy doll again, which was promptly accepted. Allison had nothing to offer, which Kitty considered equivalent to a seat in the cart. But by a roundabout transfer, the trade was finally made. Allison gave Elise the amount of purple and yellow paint she needed for the Princess Pansy's ball gown in return for which Elise gave her a piece of spangled gauze, which Kitty had long had an eye upon. Allison, in turn, handed the gauze to Kitty for her right to a seat in the pony cart, and the affair was thus happily settled to the satisfaction of all parties. "'It isn't that we are selfish with each other,' Allison had retorted indignantly one day, when Corinne remarked that she didn't see how sisters who loved each other could be so particular about everything. It's only with our toys and the cart that we do that way. It's a kind of game that we played always, and we think it's lots of fun. So it happened that that afternoon, when the train stopped at Lloydsboro Valley, the first thing the little colonel saw was the pony cart drawn close to the platform. Then three little girls in white dresses and fresh ribbons 
smiling broadly under their big flower-wreathed hats sprang out to give them a warm welcome home with enthusiastic hugs and kisses hero's turn came next released from his long tiresome confinement in the baggage car he came bounding into their midst almost upsetting the little colonel in his joy at having his freedom again he put out his great paw to each of the little girls in turn as lloyd bade him shake hands with his new neighbors but he growled suspiciously when walker came up and laid black fingers upon him he had never seen a colored man before it was betty's first meeting with the walton girls she had looked forward to it eagerly first because they were the daughters of a man whom her little hero-loving heart honored as one of the greatest generals of the army who had given his life to his country and died bravely in its service and secondly because lloyd's letters the winter before had been full of their sayings and doings mrs sherman too had told her many things of their life in manila and she felt that children who had such unusual experiences could not fail to be interesting there was a third reason however that she scanned each face so closely she had given them parts in the new play and she was wondering how well they would fit those parts they in turn cast many inquiring glances at betty for they had heard all about this little songbird that had been taken away from the cuckoo's nest they had read her poem on night which was published in a real paper and they could not help looking upon her with a deep feeling of respect tinged a little with abe that a twelve-year-old girl could write verses good enough to be published they had heard keith's enthusiastic praises of her betty's a brick he had said telling of several incidents of the house-party especially the picnic at the old mill when she had gone so far to keep her sacred promise she's the very nicest girl i know he had added emphatically and that was high praise coming from the particular keith who judged all girls by the standard of his mother as soon as the trunks were attended to mr sherman led the way to the carriage waiting on the other side of the platform hero was given a place beside walker and although he sprang up obediently when he was bidden he eyed his companion suspiciously all the way the pony cart trundled along beside the carriage the girls calling back and forth to each other above the rattle of the wheels oh isn't hero the loveliest dog that ever was but you ought to see our puppy the cutest thing nothing but a bunch of soft woozy curls we're in the new house now you must come over to-morrow mother is going to take us all camping soon you are invited too this from the pony cart in high-pitched voices in different keys oh i've had a perfectly lovely time and i've brought you all something in my trunk and say girls betty's writing a play for the red cross entertainment there's a witch in it kitty and lots of pretty costumes allison and oh dear i'm so glad to get home i don't know what to do first this from the carriage 
the great entrance gates were unlocked now the lawn smoothly cut the green lacework of vines trimly trained around the high white pillars of the porches the pony cart turned back at the gate and the carriage drove slowly up the avenue alone the mellow sunlight of the warm september afternoon filtered down like gold through the trees arching overhead oh the sun shines bright on my old kentucky home sang lloyd softly leaning out of the carriage to wave her hand to mom beck who in whitest of aprons and gayest of head bandanas stood smiling and curtsying on the steps the good old black face beamed with happiness as she cried here comes my baby and little miss betty too bless her soul and body around the house came may lily and a tribe of little pickaninnies who fell back at sight of hero leaping out of the carriage he was the largest dog they had ever seen lloyd called them all around her and made them each shake hands with the astonished saint bernard who did not seem to relish this part of his introduction to kentucky he'll soon get used to you said the little colonel may lily you run tell aunt cindy to give you a cookie or a piece of chicken for him to eat henry clay you bring a pan of water if you all fly around and wait on him right good he'll like you lots better leaving lloyd to offer hero the hospitality of locust in the midst of her little black admirers betty slowly followed her godmother up the wide stairs you're to have the same white and gold room again dear said mrs sherman peeping in as she passed the door i see that it is all in readiness so walk in and take possession betty was glad that she was alone those first few minutes the joy of the homecoming was so keen going in she shut the door and gave a swift glance all around from the dark polished floor with its white angora rugs to the filmy white curtains at the open casement windows everything was just as she had seen it last the dear little white dressing table with its crystal candlesticks that always made her think of twisted icicles the little heart-shaped pin-cushion and all the dainty toilet articles of ivory and gold the pictures on the wall the freshly gathered plumes of goldenrod in the crystal bowl on the mantel she stood a moment looking out of the open window and thinking of the year that had gone by since she last stood in that room many a long and perilous mile she had travelled but here she was back in safety and instead of bandaged eyes and the horror of blindness hovering over her she was able to look out on the beautiful world with strong far-seeing sight the drudgery of the cuckoo's nest was far behind her now and the bare little room under the eaves henceforth this was to be her home she remembered the day in the church when her godmother's invitation to the house-party reached her and just as she had knelt then in front of the narrow bench-like altar she knelt now beside the little white bed now as then the late afternoon sun streamed across her brown curls and shining face and 
thank you dear god came in the same grateful whisper from the depths of the same glad little heart betty betty called lloyd under her window come and take a run over the place i want to show hero his new home tired of sitting still so long on the cars betty was glad to join in the race over the smooth lawn and green meadows out in the pasture tar baby waited by the bars the grapevine swing in the mulberry tree every nook and corner where the guests of the house party had romped and played the summer before seemed to hold a special greeting for them and every foot of ground in old locust seemed dearer for their long absence the next morning when tarbaby was led around for lloyd to take her usual ride both girls gave a cry of delight for another pony followed close at his heels it was the one that had been kept for betty's use during the house party it is lad called the little colonel excitedly oh papa jack is he going to stay here all the time yes he belongs here now answered mr sherman i want both my little girls to be well mounted and to ride every day he motioned to a card hanging from lad's bridle and leaning over lloyd read aloud for betty from papa jack betty could hardly realize her good fortune is he really mine she insisted the same as tarbaby is lloyd's really yours and just the same answered mr sherman holding out his hand to help her mount she tried to thank him tried to tell him how happy the gift had made her but words could not measure either her gratitude or her pleasure he read them both however in her happy face as he swung her into the saddle she leaned forward saying i want to whisper something in your ear mr sherman as he bent his head she whispered thank you for writing papa jack on the card that made me happier than anything else that is what i want you to call me always now my little daughter he answered kissing her lightly on the cheek locust is your home now and you belong to all of us your godmother the little colonel and i each claim a share what makes you so quiet asked lloyd as they rode on down the avenue i was thinking of the way joyce's fairy tale ended said betty so the prince came into his kingdom the kingdom of loving hearts and gentle hands only this time it's the princess who's come into her kingdom what do you mean asked lloyd with a puzzled look oh it's only some of my foolishness said betty looking back over her shoulder with a laugh i'm just so glad that i'm alive and so glad that i'm me and so happy because everybody's so heavenly kind to me that i wouldn't change places with the proudest princess that ever sat on a throne then come on and let's race to the post office cried lloyd dashing off with hero bounding along beside her 
from the post office they rode to the beaches where allison was cooking something over the campfire beside the tent on the lawn it proved to be candy and she waved a sticky spoon in welcome mrs walton was in a hammock nearby her mending basket beside her and kitty and elise on the grass at her feet watching the molasses bubble up in the kettle betty felt a little shy at first for this was her first meeting with the general's wife and she wished that the girls would not insist on having an immediate outline of the play it had seemed very fine indeed to her when she read it aloud to herself or repeated it to lloyd it had not seemed a very childish thing to her even when she read it to her godmother but she shrank from mrs walton's criticism it was with many blushes that she began afterward she wondered why she should have been timid about it mrs walton applauded it so heartily and entered into plans for making the entertainment a success as enthusiastically as any of the girls i bid to be witch cried kitty when betty had finished i'd like to be the queen if you don't care said allison for i'm the largest and i'd rather act with rob than the other boys but it doesn't make any difference i'll be anything you want me to that's the way betty planned it said lloyd i'm to be the captive princess and keith will be my brother whom the witch changes into a dog that's hero of course malcolm will be the knight who rescues me rob moore will be king and elise the queen of the fairies and ranald the augur ranald said last night that he wouldn't be in the play if he had to learn a lot of foolishness to speak or if he couldn't be disguised so that nobody would know him said kitty he'll help any other way fixing the stage and the red lights and all that but the captain has a dread of making himself appear ridiculous now i don't i'd rather have the funny parts than the high and mighty ones he might be frog i fearsome suggested betty then he wouldn't have anything to do but drag the prince and princess across the stage to the ogre's tower and the costume could be so hideous that no one could tell whether a human or a hobgoblin was inside of it who'll buy all the balloons for the fairies and make our spangled wings asked elise oh i know she cried instantly answering her own question i'll tell aunt elise all about it and i know that she'll help how will you go all the way to the seashore to tell her asked kitty she isn't at the seashore answered elise with an air of triumph she came back from narragansett pier last night didn't she mamma and she and malcolm and keith are coming out to grandmother's this afternoon as straight as the train can carry them you might know they always do first thing don't they mamma mrs walton nodded yes then said suppose you bring the play down this afternoon betty ask your mother to come too lloyd and we'll read it out under the trees now are all the characters decided upon all but the ogre said betty joe clark is the very one for that exclaimed lloyd he is head and shoulders taller than all the other boys although he's only fifteen 
and his voice is so deep and gruff it sounds as if it came out of the cellar we can stop and ask him if he'll take the part invite him to come down to the reading of the play too said mrs walton i look for you all promptly at four betty almost lost her courage that afternoon when she saw the large group waiting for her under the beech tree on mrs walton's lawn mrs mcintyre was there fresh and dainty as betty always remembered her with the sunshine flickering softly through the leaves on her beautiful white hair miss allison who in the children's opinion knew everything sat beside her and worst of all the younger mrs mcintyre was there malcolm and keith's mother whom betty had never seen before but of whom she had heard glowing descriptions from her admiring sons lloyd pointed her out to betty as they drove in at the gate see there she is in that lovely pink organdy wouldn't you love to look like her i would she's like a queen betty sank back faint with embarrassment oh godmother she whispered i know i can't read it before all those people it will choke me there's at least a dozen and some of them are strangers mrs sherman smiled encouragingly there's nothing to be afraid of dear your play is beautiful in my opinion and everyone there will agree with me when they've all heard it go on and do your best and make us all proud of you there was no time to hesitate keith was already swinging on the carriage steps to welcome them and malcolm and ranald were bringing out more chairs to make places for them with a group under the beeches nobody mentioned the play for some time the older people were busy questioning mrs sherman about her summer abroad and malcolm and keith had much to tell the others of their vacation at the seashore of polo and parties and ping-pong and several pranks that sent the children into shrieks of laughter in the midst of the hum of conversation betty's heart almost stood still mrs walton was calling the company to order coming forward she led betty to a chair in the centre of the circle and asked her to begin it was with hands that trembled visibly that betty opened her notebook and began to read the rescue of the princess winsome end of chapter 12 read by lars rolander